Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Fabulously Fit podcast. I am part one of this dynamic duo. I am Kennedy. And I am Danielle. We are so excited that you guys are back joining us for episode two. So we always like to start with a Motivation Monday. It's Monday. We want to get you guys motivated, keep us motivated. So today we are going to share a quote from the Queen Oprah herself. And this quote says, say goodbye to your inner critic and take this pledge to be kinder to yourself and others. And I really liked this because it's talking about letting go of those inner words and inner critics that we have of ourselves, but also like taking a pledge, taking a stand and has purpose behind it to be kinder to not only ourselves, but to others. Cause I don't know about you, Danielle, but I tend to be very mean to myself in my head often. <laughs> yes. Well, and that's one of the biggest things I learned throughout this whole weight loss journey was that I was really hard on myself and that I should have loved myself, like no matter what. So that's something that I've really been working on is to not be so critical of myself. Um, and to realize that I shouldn't have been so critical throughout this whole experience. Right. Yeah. I I've learned that too. Like I've learned, like I should have just worn what I wanted to wear yes. when I was 260 pound Kennedy, mm-hmm. because it doesn't matter. Like I can look fabulous at 260 pounds and I can look fabulous at 130. So yep. I, but I also catch myself in that cycle of, of talking negatively about myself or my body, or, um, I do this new thing where <laughs> I'm gotten so active and so into the gym where like, I'll miss a day or I'll take a rest day, which rest days are needed. And I get into this shame spiral in my head where I'm talking negatively mm. about myself, like you're lazy. Why didn't you go to the gym? So this is important for me to remember going into this week that like, we've got to be kinder to ourselves and to others as well, because if we're not kind to ourselves, we're not going to be kind to others. So I even kind of did that to myself this morning. I, uh, had like a rest day and well, I might still go work out later, but like so far I haven't. And this morning I just, my body was tired. Like when I, when my alarm went off for the workout, I was like, my body's just telling me I need sleep. I'm tired. Like I need rest. And I got into that spiral of like, Oh, you're lazy. Like you're going to gain back all of your weight. And (laughs) So just trying to get away from that negative self-talk is huge. And I've come a long way, but I still definitely do have my days. Yeah, me too. I, it's funny that you mentioned that, like, I'm going to gain all my weight back because I was standing in my kitchen yesterday and I was making something, I think I was making a sandwich and I was like, well, I can eat the sandwich because I worked out and like, I lift heavy. So like I can eat the carbs, eat the carbs. And then I was like, no, you're going to gain all your weight back. And I was like, no, you're not. (laughs) What are you talking about? Stop it. Like I caught myself doing mm-hmm. it, which is big for me. Cause I don't usually That's catch good. myself. Yeah. But it's funny that you mentioned that fear, that fear of like gaining the weight back. Like I've mm-hmm. completely changed my lifestyle. So I know it's not going to happen, but that, that voice in the back of my head is like, you know, screaming that. Yes. So yeah. Awesome. Okay. Well, um, today we're kind of going to talk about what our process was like. Um, you know, going into surgery, kind of what our lifestyle was like a little bit before, how it changed as we went throughout surgery. Um, And then we are going to go over an article that I found um, that focuses on losing large amounts of weight and how we treat ourselves differently, but also how like society and the world treats us differently. And some of the things that we can do to stay out of these shame spirals or out of this negative self-talk. So, um, with that, we're going to have Danielle kind of start with 
her life before and her process into surgery. Okay, so before surgery, which I had my surgery in February of 2020. So right before COVID, um, I was one of the last groups of people to have the surgery before COVID. Um, and so I had a three month uh, mandatory uh, doctor supervised like diet prior to surgery. And so I started that um, in like mid October of 2019. And at that time, I had all three kids. Um, my youngest was two and still breastfeeding or just under two um, because she turned two in January um, of 2020. And so she was actually still breastfeeding and I was just so tired. I couldn't get around with the kids like I needed to um, and just really stuck in this rut um, that I felt like, I'm never going to be able to move with my kids. I'm never going to be able to be like the fun, active mom that I always dreamed of or planned on being. And so I had seen weight loss surgery before, and I had seen people have a lot of success. And it was something that I thought about once I had serenity, I decided like, this is the path I'm going to take. It just took me a while to actually make the appointments, make the calls. And so once I did, my insurance um, had me do the three months. And so in that three months, I really focused on trying to change my diet and followed their plan of essentially low carb. Um, up did until you have the, sorry, did you oh, have to stop? Did you have to stop breastfeeding as you got into your program? Because I was talking to another girl in the community, um, Lexi, and mm -hmm. she had some complications early on and they think it was associated to breastfeeding because she had surgery not super long after she gave birth. Um, did they make you stop breastfeeding? I had to be stopped before my, uh, like pre-op diet. So, okay. and she was, my goal was to make it till two. And so okay. she turned two in January and I had the surgery in February. So okay. after her, and at that point she wasn't nursing that often. Okay. Um, but so by January, like on her birthday is when I officially stopped or like really started to wean. Um, but that was the main thing. They wanted my hormones to stabilize before okay. I got the surgery in that February. Um, so yeah, up until that point, I was feeding her like sporadically, but okay. I was, like I said, two years postpartum. So it wasn't something that was taking a lot of my energy at that mm -hmm. point or like when you breastfeed, you can burn like 500 calories or so a day. Right. Um, it wasn't something that I was, I wasn't nursing that often. Gotcha. Um, okay. It was just like at night before naps casually, um, because she was eating food. So okay. Gotcha. From there, I went into the pre-op diet and for myself, it was two weeks of the liquid pre-op diet. Um, and so during that time, it was, it was pretty hard. Um, but after the first few days, I got into the swing of things and I lost uh, quite a bit of weight during that time period. During my monitored diet, I stayed on plan, but I didn't lose all that much. Um, I think I maybe lost 10 pounds through those three months, which is still good. Right, um, yeah. like three pounds a month. Um, but nothing compared to like the pre-op phase mm -hmm. when I actually cut out the foods and was just eating the liquid protein shakes. So before surgery, my highest recorded weight was 270. And then after uh, like the pre-op phase and my liquid diet, the day of surgery, I was 232. And I would say, like I said, I lost like 30 or so of that just in those two weeks. Wow. Um, and so then at that point I had the surgery, 
recovery for me was super easy. Um, I went right to purees. That's what my plan calls for. So I didn't do a liquid after, um, it just was right to purees. And so I did that for like two to three weeks, then on to soft foods, um, and did soft foods up until my three month post-op. And then at that point I was given free reign to eat whatever, you know, uh, you can't eat whatever you want. However, it's suggested, you know, to stay away from certain things. So for right. my plan, it was recommended to stay low carb, which I did. Um, and I stayed essentially under 30 grams net carbs, um, until I was at my goal. And okay. so okay. I was of the thought process that I didn't want to introduce those foods because it had already been so long since I'd had them mm -hmm. that I didn't want to crave them again or have them again, um, until I was at my goal weight. So that's what I did. And then once I kind of transitioned into life post-surgery, things immediately just seem so much lighter. Um, just even just losing a little bit of weight, it was easier to move. It was easier to play with my kids. And I just felt so much better. And it just kind of continued. And then I became, you know, addicted to working out, but not so much that. I love the way that with every pound that came off, I felt better. Yes. Um, you know, it was such a difference in just every day. It was like, my body could do more. I could feel better, less pain, um, less inflammation. I could run more with my kids. And so it really was a motivation to just keep going as I saw those changes happening. And it seemed like it was continuous. You know, I don't feel like I ever really had a time where it was like, well, I can't do as much physically today. I felt like I consistently moved forward to where I was able to do more. And that was so motivational to me to get to my goal of, you know, essentially I can move my body pretty much any way I choose to now. Um, and so that's been really exciting for me. And so from there, uh, to where I'm at currently, I am like a soccer, uh, team manager for my son. Um, I also do like, uh, a co-ed league with some of the soccer coaches. Um, just super active. And it has just totally changed the way that I interact with my kids, the way that my husband and I are able to hang out. We go hiking, we go biking, we can do so many different things just that I'm able to move without pain. Um, we went to Sedona a few weeks ago, which we went for our honeymoon. And, um, when we got married, I had only had one baby. And so, but I was already at that point, probably two to 20 or so. Um, and so I wasn't able to move as well as I can now. And so mm -hmm. some of the things were just harder to do. And we hadn't really right. been back on a couple trip to Sedona since then. And it was just like night and day of what we were able to do, how nice it was, how easy it was to move without pain. And it's just been so nice to have that full complete life that I felt like I was missing. Yeah, for sure. I, I definitely agree with that because I, my process was kind of similar. Like I, I had started to put on weight because I got sick when I was like 17. I had my appendix out at 16 um, in an emergency surgery. It didn't go super great. I was in the hospital for a couple of days after which with your appendix, normally you get to go home the same day you have surgery. Um, and about a year later, I started to get these weird symptoms where I would just throw up. I had all this back pain. I like couldn't be as active anymore because I was constantly in pain and constantly sick. I mean, and it took me until I was 24, like three months before I had surgery to get diagnosed with, um, the chronic condition I had gastroparesis, but 
gastroparesis paralysis of the stomach. So I learned quickly that like there were certain things I could and couldn't eat and anything that is healthy for you is harder to digest. It's more fibrous. Mm -hmm. Um, it's harder on your stomach, which is why a lot of people that have weight loss surgery still struggle to eat like raw veggies. Um, lettuce takes a while, things like that. They're just harder to digest. And when your stomach is paralyzed, Yeah. And when your stomach is paralyzed, it doesn't digest those foods. So I would eat them and they would literally sit in my stomach and just go rotten. So I would, I would, I would throw up, I would get these awful smelling burps, just nasty. And I just felt awful. I would bloat really bad. I mean, I would go from, I mean, at that point I was probably 200 pounds. So I would go from looking, you know, a little plump to eating and looking six, seven months pregnant because I would get so bloated. And so I learned very quickly that I could eat carbs and sugar and they would mm. process a lot easier than healthy foods or proteins, dairies, things like that can be harder too. So naturally when all you're really able to eat to survive is carbs, mashed potatoes, starches, those kinds mm. of things, you're going to gain weight. And then when you're in pain, it's worse. And as you gain weight, you get into more pain. So I got into this cycle of constantly being sick, constantly being in pain. Doctors not believing me because in their minds, if you are overweight or as the medical community looks at us fat, if you're fat, you're not throwing up every day. And as somebody who's overweight, that's how you're treated in the medical community. Everything Mm -hmm. is because of your weight. Your weight is not because of anything else. And once I finally found a doctor who would listen to me, um, I ended up going to an endocrinologist and she was like, there's something going on here. Like, based on your history, the things you're telling me, she's like, I don't know. I'm not a GI. We've got to send you to, to, to a GI. And I saw a GI. They took my gallbladder out when I was 20 years old, thinking that it was my gallbladder. It wasn't. My gallbladder didn't need to come out. So <laughs> it took me four more years after that to find a GI who I sat in her office. And within five minutes, she was like, I think I know what this is. I'm going to send you for this test. Had the test. And within seven hours that next day of that test, which is a six hour test, you lay on a table and they scan your belly and watch the food go through. Um, they were like, yeah, this is what you have, but also you're already on this process of, of weight loss surgery. And it's actually a cure for somebody who is like you, who's overweight, but has this, most people who have gastroparesis just don't eat. So they're like 90 pounds. Um, and I was like, okay. So then I really started the the process and I actually ended up just calling the weight loss center and was like, I've been thinking about this and, um, I've been seeing an endocrinologist for like three years and they were like, oh, great. You'll be a perfect fit. Come in in a couple months. So I think I called in November of 2018 and my first appointment was January 3rd of 2019. And my insurance only required three months, but because I had been seeing an endocrinologist, I didn't have to do any more nutrition. Um, none of those kinds of appointments. I just had to do the actual like medical weight loss um, mm-hmm. three month program. So I had to go once a month and check in with my weight loss doctor Um, just to make sure that I wasn't gaining any weight. And I had to keep like a food journal and an exercise journal. And I did have to like physically turn those in. Um, I don't know if it was an insurance requirement, but my program knew that it would make my approval easier. And I've noticed like a lot of people will post that like there's been something wrong with their approval process. And I think that my program was just really good at knowing exactly what was needed because I don't know if I've seen a single person in my actual program post and be like, my surgery is delayed because of my insurance. So, um, but it's also something that's smart to do. Tracking your food, logging your activity is something you need to do pre-op because you have to do it post-op. And, um, you know, I'm even before surgery, I wasn't like 
I didn't like bring measuring cups and like a scale to dinner. Like you get pretty good at eyeballing it. Um, but I do still even now measure everything I eat at home. I track everything I eat. I measure everything and I make a best guess when I go out, unless I'm like on vacation. So for me, it was really tracking what I was eating, but I still had my gastroparesis. So I was trying to eat healthier and just getting sicker. So I actually went from 260 to two to 45, um, in that three months. But part of that was because I was eating the way they wanted me to, and I was getting sick. So I was just oh. throwing up a lot. So I was, my body wasn't being fueled the way it needed to be fueled. Um, and then my liquid pre-op was a 10 day. So okay. 10 day liquid pre-op. And in that 10 days, I think I lost like 10 pounds. Um, I mostly just had protein shakes and jello and broth and cottage cheese. And I slept a lot. I was very tired and very grumpy. So I slept a lot. Um, and after surgery, it was a week of, or three days of clear liquids while we were in the hospital and then hi, sweetheart. And then they would send us home and we would be on, um, liquids, for like two weeks and then we would move, you know, mix of liquids and then we would move on to purees for two weeks and then it was soft foods. Um, but because I had some early on complications and had to have that emergency surgery about two weeks out from surgery, I ended up on liquids for the first like three months. <laughs> so, wow. yeah, I mean, and we'll, we'll probably do an episode focused on complications mm -hmm. so that I can explain mine. I, you know, I talk about them often because they need to be talked about. I don't want anybody to be scared because my life is so much better. Like I would take those complications plus some and still have surgery to feel the way I feel now. Um, but I had a looped bell and an internal hernia caused from the surgery. And I also had a stricture and that came back five times in the first six months. So I lost a lot of weight. I lost hundred pounds in the first four months because I just had a really hard time with actual food. And I still have days where I can't, I can't really eat real food. Like I had a couple of days last week where I had like three protein shakes just to get in my protein and my calories for a couple of days, because I just, my restriction was really strong those couple of days. And I was having a little bit of a gastroparesis flare. So I, you know, I eat pretty normal. Um, I eat, you know, higher carb. When I first started my first year was 60 carbs and under. Um, but as I got into fitness and health, I kept dropping weight and I was getting really, really, just really lean and really thin. And I am pretty lean, but I'm not like Danielle, you're a lot more lean than I am. I'm kind of curvy. And so I was just like rail thin. I had no energy at all. And my program was like, Oh, you're doing great. Just keep going. You'll bounce your weight will bounce back up. It's what happens. It's normal. Everyone bottoms out and bounces up 10, 15 pounds. And I was like, well, a, I don't want to do that. That doesn't seem healthy. Mm -hmm. And B, I feel like crap, somebody help me. And I right. still wanted me at that 60 grams of carbs a day, but I was lifting too much and doing hot yoga. And I was too active that my body was just like eating itself at that point. So that's when I got a bariatric coach. Um, and that completely changed my nutrition and complete it's completely changed my body composition as well. So I went from eating 60 grams of carbs a day to up to 140 grams of carbs a day on the days that I am lifting. I do some carb cycling. Um, and I, you know, macros are different for everybody. We are not medical professionals. This is just based on our experience. But for me that I feel really good in that 120 to 140 grams of carbs a day. But I mean, I lift heavy. I, you know, my goal is to de I deadlift more than my body weight now. So I, my goal is to build muscle and build some mass. So for me, that's what I need. Um, 
But I mean, the way I think about food and the way I feel my body is just completely different. A, because I can, because my body will process those foods most of the time now. Um, but I just, I've realized that I feel way better when I'm fueling my body the way I need to. Um, and as you lose weight and you get into maintenance, it's important to have those healthy habits with food and tracking and when you're eating and what kind of meals you're eating, because if you don't have those habits, you are risking some regain or, um, you know, not fully embracing the change of life. So I agree. I go through phases of like tracking and not, I mean, I always have like a general because now I was so used to tracking. Um, I was, I mean, every day until I was at my goal weight, I tracked everything. And for a while after too, now I just like, I can look at something and kind of gauge how many calories it is, what's in it, you know, how many, you know, because chicken, I'm always going to remember how much, you know, protein is it or so I have like a rough estimate right of caloric goals and like macro goals but at this point I'm not tracking them in like a food log Um, I'm doing I guess kind of more like intuitive eating but not really Um, no that's great just something kind of yeah like a something for me yeah like a combination um because at the point I'm at right now I have found like what works for my body that I'm really just like maintaining um I'm not gaining I'm not losing I'm just like finding the balance of both because I was too, like, I'll admit I was way too strict at some points. Um, so for myself, like it was getting obsessive. And so I needed to tone that back. And so for a while I completely took it away, um, to give myself that break. And then now I'm just in like a happy medium. That's great. Yeah. I'm hoping I can get to that place. I think part of the reason that I'm, I still struggle with like the food aspect is because my diet was so weird for so long because of my medical issues. But then also I had my complications. So the first year where people are learning how to like, re- you're basically learning how to re-eat kind of like you're, yes. you're mm-hmm. relearning what you can and cannot eat. What's good for you. What's not. You're learning how to read labels and things. If you didn't know how to do those things before, which I was an athlete. So I knew how to do those types of things. But the first year, that's really what you're focusing on. And I didn't get to focus on that because of my complications. My first six months were spent mostly on liquids, on protein shakes, on whatever I could tolerate. I ate a lot of mashed potatoes, which is not in most people's plan, but I just had to fuel my body. So I still love potatoes. Like if there are fries in front of me, I will eat the basket until I am sick. So I have to physically remove them. Like there are still things that like, if you asked me if I had a food addiction, I would have told you no, but there's still things like French fries. I will eat them until I throw up. So they have to be physically removed from me. Um, But tracking helps me in the way that like, I am still kind of learning how to re-eat. And I have this goal of like, I was, I was really thin at one point. So I've had to try to gain weight, which I never thought would be almost more difficult than the weight loss. Yes. Um, (laughs) But if I don't track what I'm eating, even, even a rough estimate in my fitness pal, which is what I use, I don't eat enough. And I'll like, I'll like go and look at my log and I'm like, I didn't log anything today. And then I'll think, and I'm like, what did I eat today? Cause I still don't really get hungry, especially if I don't work out. So I have to do it just to make sure I'm eating enough. Um, but I'm hoping that by like this time next year, I'm at a point where I'm better at the intuitive eating and knowing what's, uh, what's enough, what's not enough. And I'm kind of hoping some of those hunger cues come back a little bit because it is, it does get hard. Like I still have timers set to remind me to eat. Cause I just, I'll forget. So I'm hungry all the time. <laughs> 
Well, I'll take some of that. I mean, I think part I'm of it is I had, all the time. Yeah, I do think I really think that there's a connection between like sleeve and bypass. Like there is a difference in the surgeries. Right. She had sleeve. I had bypass. Um, I have a couple of other friends who had bypass and they, they both uh, were right three months before me and three months after me. And they both still don't really have great hunger hormone, like signals, hunger hormones, hunger signals. Like one of them, mm-hmm. the one that's three months ahead of me has said that like hers are starting to come back. And if she's more active, she's definitely more hungry. Um, but I don't get hungry unless I haven't eaten all day. So if I get hungry, I know that I've messed up. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it does just help me stay on track. Um, but I, I do know a lot of sleepers who've said like at that, like year mark, their hunger starts to really come back. So if you don't have those healthy habits established, I imagine that would be really hard. Yeah. Yeah. Um, even like I said, now I'm, and I think it's because I still have a lot of restriction too, which might be part of it is that like, since I can't eat a lot because I still have a lot of restriction, I'm hungry more frequently because my body just needs more. Um, and so it's having me hungry quicker, um, since the portions are smaller. Right. Um, but I know we wanted to talk about that article. Yes. Um, We'll do that super quick. Um, yeah. So we found this article on women's health magazine, which it's basically interviewing six women on what it's really like to lose a lot of weight. And I thought this was really interesting because they bring up like it initially starts with this question for this woman who lost a lot of weight. And this man just asked her, is dating easier for you now that you've lost all that weight? And like you and I don't have this experience because we're both married. Um, but I, the fact that like, that was the first question somebody asked her after losing this large amount of weight kind of shocked me. Like suddenly you're better as a person because you've lost a lot of weight. Like suddenly your issues that you had with dating are going to go away because you're not overweight. And I think when we go into a surgery like this, a lot of us have this misconception that like life is drastically going to change in every single aspect because we've lost a lot of weight, which it does. But there's also a flip side to that where like we're treated way differently. Um, people look at us differently. And this article kind of points out some of those things. One of the things that stuck out to me was where they discuss, like I'm more than my weight loss and more than like a before and after. Mm-hmm. Um, and as influencers, um, we experience this a lot that for me, my posts that do the best are my transformations. Um, and sometimes I get discouraged, like, doesn't anyone just like me? Or is it only about my, because my before and after are so starkingly different. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, I'm getting a call. Let me decline that. Hopefully it's not anyone important. <laughs> but um, so just because they're so vastly different, people connect with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm more than that. Um, I am just as worthy if I was 270 pounds of someone's attention or, uh, being treated like a decent human being as I am now. Um, but my life has changed so much just in the way people perceive you, Mm -hmm. um, when you are thin versus overweight or fat, um, it is people go out of your, their way for you. Uh, they are, they want to talk to people. I mean, it's just vastly different. Um, and so I thought that that was interesting that I was in the article because that's a way that I feel so, uh, so often is how differently I'm treated. Um, and you had mentioned how your life has changed. Um, it's great in a lot of ways. 
Um, the physically, obviously it's so much better. You're able to be more active. My health is better. I'm creating a culture of health in my family, but the way people treat you is just, it's almost disheartening to see how I was treated before. Yeah, no, I agree. Like that was the one that stuck out to me the most in this article too, was the, this woman says people treat me differently. And in this, she says, I didn't realize that reaching my goal weight would actually help me be more productive in a day. As my eating became more focused on what my body needed instead of what my brain wanted, I had more energy. At the same time, I realized that people treat you drastically different when you're overweight. While the change was positive, it instilled some pessimism in me. I remember the same guys that had blown me off or even teased me in school were all of a sudden interested in getting to know me. I got better service at restaurants, grocery stores, everywhere. I wish the way people were treated was based on how they treat others, not based on their waistline. And this really stuck out to me because one of my examples I give people is like, people now rush to open the door for me when I go into places like men, especially will rush to open the door for me. And that never happened before. I had to open the door for myself all the time before. Like, why are we not treating (laughs) just because somebody's overweight doesn't mean they have less worth. And the other place I really noticed it is in like business or school. Like I would speak up before and yeah, people would listen to me, but now I speak up in a class or I have an idea and people are engaged in what I'm saying. They are interested in what I'm saying. It's I think a lot of times we perceive people that are overweight as being lazy or they're overweight because they don't care about themselves when that's not the case. You know, I'm sure that's sometimes the case, just like anything, but that's for anybody I know in this community, that is not the case. You know, it's, we want to care about ourselves. We're trying to care about ourselves. We've tried to lose weight. We've tried to do this. We've tried to do that and nothing works for us. And that's why we make this decision. And it is disheartening to think like I had to literally change the insides of my body to lose weight. So people would realize my actual worth. And that has been really frustrating for me. And it's actually been really hard on the people around me. Like my husband really notices it. My mom really notices it. Um, I, I really think that they've had a little bit of a harder time, especially my husband with noticing how differently I'm treated, not only people looking at me a lot more, Um, but you know, talking to me, rushing to open doors, he notices these things too. And it's not even like just strangers, like it's people that have been in our lives for a long time. You just do it subconsciously. So I think that statement of, I wish people would treat people how they want to be treated instead of based on their waistline is really important. I agree. This, that article was so good and had so many points, everything that I have thought through my Mm -hmm. weight loss process, it was in that article. Um, which we'll link in the YouTube. Um, yes. And also it'll be up on our Instagram. Uh, yes. So you guys can take a look at that um, and read through the whole article. But yeah, so many good points. And I just really resonated with every single bullet point of the article. Me too. It was a great one. And I think it's whether you're having weight loss surgery or you're just focusing on weight loss without surgery, it, it applies you, you know, even 25, 30 pounds of weight loss versus 140 pounds of weight loss, those thoughts are still there. So yeah, it's um, something that I thought was really important. But yeah, as Danielle mentioned, we are um, going to be making an Instagram for the podcast. So it will be live and active by the time this one comes out, but you guys can look there for these motivation um, Monday quotes. You can look there for links. We'll post um, the podcast YouTube link on there as well. We'll hop in and out on stories. We'll share things on there. So definitely follow that. Um, And yeah, I think that's all we have for you guys today. 
But thank you for tuning in and joining us. And we can't wait to talk to you again next Monday. Bye, everybody. Bye.